cliffcentral.com. You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Karpinski. I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Karpinski. Why did you tell me? Ben Karpinski on cliffcentral.com. Good morning. Welcome to The Bounce Show, 25th of May. That's great. Getting to the end of May, which I know does mean we're in very much the middle of the winter, but it's a good thing here in South Africa because... This is a great time of year for sporting international stuff. So we've got uh, international rugby coming into the fray. We've got international crickets. Yesterday, the Proteas kicked off their long England's English summer. Uh, there's great golf. There's just so much on the go right now. Of course, tennis as well. The first Grand Slam of the year is coming up. It'll start this Sunday, but the big sort of the big names only start playing as of next week. Thank you for joining me. Got a great show today. No guests. I was got so much to wrap up on, and I feel if I don't have these shows where it's just me and you, then we do kind of miss out on, on so many different things. I mean, obviously, I can put a whole bunch of stuff in the blog, but I like that personal touch. You know, I like the personal one-on-ones that we have. So if you are listening live and you want to get involved in the show uh, in future, you can take this number down. This is the studio WhatsApp number. So 079-748-2090 right here in the Cliff Central Studios. You message me there and uh, it'll come up on a screen right next to me. And if you are listening on podcast, obviously, um, well, I can't see that. Speaking of Cliff Central, earlier this week I did a little interview with uh, Maria Sharapova, which I'm going to start off with. So if you didn't actually know, my main function here at Cliff Central is to do the sport on the Gareth Cliff Show. Gareth Cliff is a major celebrity. He does a great radio show. He's been doing major things in radio for quite some time. And every Monday to Friday I do the sport here. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with that. Just an excerpt from my sports on Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. It's a little blur for me. I wake up early. All right, Ben, what do you got for us today? Well, Gareth, there's a lot going on, cheapest, but uh, something came to my attention last week that maybe I've been a little bit harsh on Maria Sharapova. What? I've got some messages, and uh, I wanted to kind of clear this up, and I've been lucky enough to actually get Maria to come and chat to us. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, well, there so, we go. Um, uh, on Skype, Gareth, you got that. I got it. We're on. There. Yeah. Is this really Maria Sharapova? Yeah. Uh, Maria, thanks so much for joining us today. I know it's just really, really short notice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, it's come to my attention that maybe I've been a little bit harsh on you from time to time. Some say a bit mean even. Um, have I caused any offense, really? It was a shock to me. I said, how, how did I not know about this? Um, so I went through this shock, anger, sadness, and then I... I don't know, something inside of me just went above everything, and I felt like it was almost the process of going through a breakup. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, sorry. I had no idea. I mean, I know you listened to the show, but <laughs> I didn't realize it was that, that hard-reaching. Hurting the wounds, feelings, Ben. Um, I mean, c- can we go on from here? I went through all these emotions, and in the end, like after a little time, I, I just I felt really above it. I There's some sort of strength in me that... Huh. That just felt really good about things, and, and I. Okay, well, okay, so no hard feelings essentially. I mean, that's what I'm getting at here. Well, one of the things is I learned, like sometimes you think what it's something so major, and that that happens to you or is thrown at you, but I don't think we're ever given anything in life that we just cannot handle at yeah. all. That's just it, it's not we all we we always eventually end up handling it. Wow. Okay. Cool. Well, as they say, the show must go on, even if the show does include endless grunting and moaning. I guess. Oh, I believe in that saying so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, well, let, let's start with the grunting. Let's get on to cricket. Is this something that's basically, I mean, this is, this, this, is this you now? I mean, can, can we just leave this alone because it is you? I, it is. It, it, it's sad to say that, but I think it really is. Um, okay, so you're never, ever going to stop doing it then? Oh, absolutely not. But, I mean, you get other players who are playing just as hard as you. I mean, take that Eugenie Bouchard, for instance, okay? She's hitting it as hard as you. She's trying her best. But, I mean, she's not grunting. Do you think maybe this is why she is more of an attractive sort of proposition in tennis nowadays than you? I I never wanted to believe that. But I'm, I, I'm starting to think that. Okay, so between the two of us, I mean, how hot is she really in real life? She's up there. That's for sure. <laughs> so, like... And the corner cover in a prime hut and Eugenie Bouchard, the two of them walk into a room. Who gets more attention? Oh, I, I beat them both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Right, in all seriousness, really though, opening up. In, in all seriousness, though, when you talk about, about this ban, was the time well spent away from the game? Absolutely. Well, you know, okay, so tennis obviously is something that's just taken your entire life, so to speak. So did this time away from the court kind of allow you to focus on other things, say, like maybe your love life? That takes a lot of time. I I don't know if I'm good at it. <laughs> Come on, I'm sure you you got to dish a little bit with us. I mean, we give us an idea of what's been happening. Oh, absolutely not. Come on, deep down, we all want to be like you, Maria. So you got to give us a bit more about what your personal life's about. No, you want to be better than me. You know, like dream to be even better than mm-hmm. than I ever was. Okay, Maria, this isn't just like any other interview. Cut the shit here. Let's get to it. Come on, is there someone in your, in your life right now? I do. Is there? Is there someone? That's really great. I, I do. No, wow. you, you set an example, and that's why I was proud of the fact that I, I came out and was able to say that. Okay, <laughs> look, the reason I'm pushing you on this, because obviously, you know, you've been attracting some sort of unwanted sort of suitors. I mean, I heard even Jeff Kodebe, for instance, was messaging you recently. It was actually every time I, I'd receive one of those messages, like I would be quite strong and you know, okay, this is it's all going well. And then I'd receive one of those messages and i just get so emotional. Yeah, I can imagine what you're going through. You know that him and Bill O'Reilly share a WhatsApp group? I don't like to ever know that. Okay. Well, Maria, we're actually out of time. Maybe we can chat a bit more in depth as far as, you know, missing the French Open and that kind of stuff. So we have to leave it off there. Anything else you want to add just before um, for your fans before we go? I, th- cool. I think I'd, I loved your perspective. I mm. loved the way that you interviewed okay. people. It was very right. casual. It yeah, wasn't, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you hear interviews and it's, there's some sort of mission behind mm. that interview yeah, that's I mean, you know that's not like me. too I don't know it's defensive and right. I felt mm-hmm. like your interviews were very open and challenged people but okay. it was a conversation and I think that's when people really speak about how they feel and their cool. emotions and mm-hmm. okay. I think that's what people want to hear oh, nice okay Mari- people sorry Maria we really, we've really got to catch you there no, okay. alright there we go Thanks. she's gone okay so well it's all good between us then so wow, I, can, I cannot be held responsible for it anymore. Maria so and I are cool. People are not allowed to say that you are not pro a Maria Sharapova. There we go. Full interview. I mean, I don't know that we got a huge amount out of her, but well done. Yeah, you could tell she was nervous. But I mean, she hasn't really done a lot of interviews, so I'm glad that she granted us that time. Excellent. Yeah, so if you ever think I don't like Maria Sharapova, we'll think again. See, balance. That's all I ever give you in the sporting front. All right, so we have to kind of get to this. We might as well get up to the front. But uh, it's such another sad day in the world with all these terror attacks, this time taking place in Manchester. These, I mean, these cretinous, sad suck sacks of shit. They're ruining the world, one terror attack after the other. 
And of course, what happened in Manchester during the week when 22 people lost their lives obviously had a bearing on the rest of the sporting week for Manchester United. And obviously they won the Europa League last night, which was a big thing. And they are talking about having a parade now with the trophy. So, I mean, look, you never want to bring this kind of stuff into sport. You never want to have to be too down about it. But it's just so depressing how this stuff can happen, how somebody can believe that their stupid beliefs and childish behavior must now bring it down for everyone else. But as always, you know, the, the sporting world does come together. And there was a beautiful hashtag I saw yesterday around the the Manchester United uh, win of Ajax in the Europa League. It was uh, a City United, which I thought was really clever because the word City was in blue and obviously United was in red. And uh, together made a very sort of powerful hashtag. I know like hashtags and prayers and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't solve any of this, doesn't get us anywhere. But I, I think, again, it's just people being vigilant about you know leaking these these pathetic people out of society one step at a time. I think that's just something we should all be conscious of. But Eric Cantona, who's always been such an outspoken guy, he had a really heartfelt message um, about this whole thing. Of course, you know, Manchester is very dear to him. The country of England is very dear to him. And he had this message after the Manchester attack. Sweden. And that is... Oh, fuck's sakes. <laughs> Sorry, hang on a sec. There we go. To the victims. To the wounded persons. Kids. Teenagers, adults, to their families, to their friends, to all, all of you, all of us. I think to this city, Manchester, and the Manginians, that I love deeply. I think to this country, England, and English, that I love deeply. I suffer with you. My heart is with you. I always feel close to you. 20 people lost their lives, all watching a pop concert. So, so sad. But let's get into some of the rugby, right? So this was the much-anticipated week where Alistair Garcia gets all his information, all his intel, all his hard work from the year so far because... Obviously, when he got into the, into the job last year, there were some legitimate gripes about the fact he had very limited preparation time. He then went on to have what was probably the darkest year in Springbok rugby history that we can recall. Um, history books might even agree with us forever and ever. So he used last year as, well, let's just call it a learning curve, right? And uh, he's had the first few, the first five months of this year to obviously get these things together, see how the guys have gone to Super Rugby, and then to name his squad. So the squad has been named, and I think we should go through it. Uh, it's, it wasn't like a major surprise for kind of what went on, but uh, let's go through it anyway. Luke Diago, he's had a bit of a piss-poor year for the Bulls, but he's there. Uh, Peter Steffes-Toy, Andrea, he is, of course, the uh, Emirates Lions prop. Uh, you know, Peter Steffes-Toy, he's the lock. Ibn Etzebeth, the lock, uh, pretty much standout senior player now, even though he's only still 25. Steven Kitsoff has been brought back from Bordeaux in France, so he is there as a prop. Sir Khaleesi as a flank. Yakuf Creel, also a loose forward cover. France Herber, horrible, horrible run of injuries and inconsistency. I mean, this guy just can't seem to string any games together, but there is quality there. He was pretty handy in the World Cup, and I think on the back of that, people are still kind of going with him. Malcolm Marks, hooker, you've got to think he is the first choice hooker uh, with cover with uh, Bongi Banambi from the Stormers. Opa Mahoja, 
He's the loose, loose forward for from the Cheetahs. Franco Mostert, Lock, Tendai Mtararua is the prop. Lizo Omboka, he is from the Bulls. Kunio Stazen, also a prop. Uh, Chili Rado Pele, the hooker. Dwayne Familia, loose forward. And Warren Whiteley is the loose forward and captain in the forward. So interesting thing to look out for there is, again, the Springboks do not care for specialist open-siders. Um, you know, there was a call for Chris Clutie to be involved because he's been so good for the Kings. But... Screw it, eh? they never ever want to have a specialist open side to do the spring box. So if you look at that, that loose trio, there's a bit of an opening concern here. Obviously people will say, will Whiteley play as the first choice eighth man? Uh, legitimate concern, because that's always been the concern, for, even from last year when Dwayne Finley was brought back, because everyone was saying, well, you know, Whiteley maybe should be the captain. And um, I'm all for that. I think he's, he's a good leader. He's shown, you know, again, if you go back to form, he's shown on merit that what he's done with the Lions warrants the position for the spring box. So then Dwayne Vermeulen is going to go to the blindside flanker role, which is pretty much, I think, it's going to, it's going to happen. Uh, people are quite divided about this, saying, well, you know, he can easily play that position. He's he's built for it, essentially. But others are saying, well, you know, his best place is still eighth man, so he's wasted on the side of the scrum. But then you also think, like, okay, well, if Dwayne Vermeulen is going to be number seven, then the rest of the, the, the flanks are basically going to be... Uh, Open side, retreaded open side. So, Luka Creel does play that position. He plays it bloody well. Uh, not a specialist fetcher, so to speak, but you gotta think he's gonna be there. But then you think, well, Sir Kolesi, Ophamahojo, these guys have got Springbok pedigree. They've been in the system. It'd be interesting to see if they're gonna go to the bench. I don't think so. I mean, Sir Kolesi obviously was, uh, you gotta think was a candidate for the captaincy. To see him go on the bench would be quite interesting. Then others are saying, well, Yaku Creel can start on the bench because he's got the impact factor and he's got such pace to bring on in the second half when it's needed. So I think out of, I mean, look, your, your tight five kind of speaks for itself that there, there's quality there and there's depth there as well. But this loose trio, I think it's going to be a big, big conundrum for Asukasi going forward. And I think one of the biggest problems with Bok Rugby last year is that this loose trio never ever clicked. I mean, there were so many different guys playing in it for starters. It never had a unit. It was completely out of sync. And you know, international rugby where it's so tight and the confrontations around the breakdown is so key that you've got to have a loose trio that basically works as one. And if you go back over Bok Rugby when it's been the most dominant, it's because they've had a really fantastic loose trio that's been working together. Um, so that to me is still a major question mark, but ultimately the personnel can't complain there. Into the backs and, uh, Lukanya Arm gets his Bok debut. I think there's eight new, uh, debutants in, in the box squad, which is kind of encouraging because Kutsia could have gone a lot more safe with these, with these options. He has chosen some flair, which is really good. So I'm excited about that. Lukanya Arm is center. Andrews Kutsia from the Lions. He is a fullback. Ross Krinja. This is an interesting story because Fafta Cloak was so good for the, the box last year. Sure, he made mistakes, but in a team that was just doing bugger all, he was one of the standouts who was actually making things happen. And he did save a few matches. I mean, if you like the guy or not, you gotta, you gotta kind of admit he did play his hand. But Ross Krinja has been ahead of him at the Lions. And of course, Fafta Cloak is going overseas in the Super Rugby season. So Ross Krinja comes in. For me, here's the form scrum off. Damien D'Anley, he has not shown any form because he's been injured but as good said does not mind about that he goes straight into the squad for the, the French series Francois Hocott's come back obviously he's going to be the, the sort of I would say marquee scrum off in this mix although I'd still probably start with Ross Crenier Elton Junchies it looks to be the lone fly off in the mix here for all the squad Dylan Lades, Jesse Creel there in the mix Dylan Lades has played pretty much every position for the Stormers I think that's 
where he hasn't played center. So he's there as a basic utility back cover. Rudy Page is there as a scrum off. Raymond Rule gets his much deserved call up there on the wing. Jan Serfentain in the centers along with Cornell, Scorsan, and Frontstein is back. Very interesting inclusion there, Frontstein. You always think like, this guy's got so much experience. He started young, so much that he can add to a team, but there's just been so many different run-ins and so many different ways he's fallen out of the Spock team. So whether this time it's going to stick, whether Kutsia's going to get something out of him. Again, the personnel is all there. It looks really exciting. We've got great players in great positions, but Ron Combrick, I definitely would have had him in there. If David Allenley can sort of prove himself of 20 minutes of rugby, I think Combrick's 18 minutes against the Bulls more than more than does that. Of course, there was the, the South African A squad that was announced at the same time. They'll be taking on the French Barbarians in the same kind of international window. And Kutsia read the stress, the fact that none of the players in the SAA squad are ruled out of rugby championship contention. He's looking at it very much a bigger picture right now. So even though he has picked the 18 forwards and the 13 backs here for his immediate squad to play against France, the other guys, they're still very much in the picture interesting to see how this backline is going to form because Elton Junchies, he is the number one starting fly, if you got to think, but he was very disappointing last year. It didn't really click. What's the center pairing going to be like? You got De Allende, you got Creel, you got Serpentine. There's no Lionel Mapu here. Am, of course, is involved in form. Where's that all going to fit? Very, very interesting. And then the back three, uh, it could be a bit light in the wings, I've got to say. If you look at the Stormers matches and how they were taken to pieces by the New Zealanders, they were definitely showing up, up for being a little bit light at the back there. And uh, if Franz Stein's going to be playing in the fly-off kind of center role, you know, we didn't have a big sort of birdie fullback, someone who's strong under the high ball. I just could see, I can't see being your first choicer, but it's interesting. Obviously, as could see, has a plan. I don't think he's basically got these players together and hoping for the best. I'm pretty sure he's got a good understanding about what his first choice 15 is going to be. Injury provided, of course. Sorry, fitness fitness provided because there's still another round of super rugby action this coming weekend so moving on to that the super rugby this weekend is interesting because it's the last time the south african teams will be playing before the uh international window next week it'll only be the australasianists um and argentina so looking straight into the fixtures here on friday we've got the blues versus the chiefs 935 then it's the reds versus the force 1145 of course all these times south african time um, the Sunwolves versus the Cheetahs at quarter past seven. The Highlanders versus the Waratahs. These are all Saturday matches, 9.35. Rebels versus Crusaders. Crusaders definitely going to stay and beat in there. What an incredible run they've got through because they were in Fiji last week and they beat the Chiefs. They were playing against the Hurricanes the week before. They beat them as well. This team does not look like it's slowing at any stage. So there you go. They're going to be hammering the Rebels. 11.45 in Rebel country of Melbourne. Bulls versus the Hurricanes. This horrible Bulls season continues. That'll be at five past three. Then the big one is the Sharks versus the Stormers. That'll be at quarter past five. And then Jaguars versus Brumbies, 20 to midnight on Saturday. And then Sunday, Lions versus the Kings at 2.30. So nothing's really changing here in Super Rugby when you think that because of the African conferences being so weak, the, the Lions are kind of looking big picture here. They're looking to top the entire log, and they're still very much in line to do so. But when it comes to the Stormers and the Sharks, they probably will make playoff rugby, whether they keep winning or not. I mean, the Stormers in particular, they went and got hammered in New Zealand, <laughs> thrashed in three matches, and uh, it meant really nothing because they'll probably still finish top of their log. So that is Super Rugby. We need to talk about cricket. Obviously, it's a real big time for cricket right now because we've got the Champions Trophy coming up. But we've also got the Women's World Cup. 
Now, the women's game, I don't know if you've been following it too much, but it is making great progress. It really is. From being kind of on the outskirts and club cricket grounds, it is now being televised the world over. Obviously, the Aussies were fantastic pioneers in this, and they created the Women's Big Bash. Uh, I think it's called the Big Bash League. It's the same as the men. They just put the, the gender in front of it. So women cricketers in Australia are making a good living now. They're really professional. That Big Bash League has done wonders for it. And now the World Cup, I mean, there's, there's been a few. But now the World Cup is going to be taking place in England as well. But it'll be taking place just after the Champions Trophy, and it'll be late June. So the South African women's team will be one of eight sides who will be out there. Uh, the final will take place in July 23rd in Lords, at Lords. The first game will take place 24th of June. It'll be England versus India. So how it works is that um, there'll be eight teams participating. Everyone plays each other once, and the top four sides from that league phase and progress to the semifinals uh, and the final. So SA's fixtures there that we're going to be opening up versus um, New Zealand, 28th of June. And then they'll be taking on the West Indies, then they'll take on England, and as you go down, basically all the teams. Round Robin stage, it seems like a nice format. And again, when you've only got eight teams, you can have a really nice format like this. And the cool thing about this is that the SA ladies matches will be televised. So good on you, Supersport, for making this happen. They were obviously very... um very keen to see how they went through the qualifying phase to get to this, to qualify for the World Cup. And now the ladies are there. They're being rewarded with some well, well-deserved TV time. You know, these sports are only going to grow if people get involved. So it's little things like this that we, I think we've got to be really appreciative of. But getting into the crickets, uh, let's first hear from Jim Jeffries just to break up the monotony of my voice for a sec. Uh, before we get the Champions Trophy and of course what the approach is doing in England right now, Jim Jeffries had the very tough task of trying to explain cricket to Americans. So I'm going to play a bit of this because he made a pretty decent go at it. Sports, uh, what do you know about cricket? I love cricket. Well, cricket is blowing up in this country. It's not blowing up. They had up. a fucking article in the paper that there's like cricket leagues all over New York City. Shit, me. Uh, that's, I, that's, I bet you that's just expats. That's just British people. Oh, I've seen, I've seen. No, it's you a lot of Caribbean guys. You see them in the parks oh, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're taking over the, the parks. West yeah, West Indies. Indies. With their cricket uh, In Central shit. Park and it's, shit. It's the, it's the second, Park, second most popular sport in the world. Why, though? Because I India are into it, they're, they're one sixth of the population, and that's the only sport they play. Well, so I don't get it. What are you supposed to do? It looks like baseball, but it's not. No, it's nothing like baseball. It's it's a slightly more skilled game um, than baseball on the account that there's different forms of bowling. The ball bounces. You're working off a pitch that it's a five day game, right? This is what you got to remember. The game each game goes for five days. Five, five days. days. Oh, and fuck. and it will probably end in a draw. Oh shit! Oh my god! Oh, is that Who has time for that shit? When did they cut <laughs> off the beer after awful. the fourth day? They used <laughs> no. Yeah, right. They used to play back like eighty years ago. They used to just play. We play the game until it finishes, mm-hmm. and uh, twelve days or something. There'd be some cunt Why that would just take so long. Why can't they do it in an afternoon? Yeah, what the fuck? They, they also have one day cricket. They had to make it more exciting. So they've one got day's what, too long. One day. One day's. They've got twenty twenty, which is still half a day, but um, that's the smallest one. But it's not very good. What, half a day. one day cricket. Why is all right. half a day good? Because you can't get everyone out in that time. So everyone's just trying to slog it over the fence. There's no real skill to it. Test cricket's where it's at. The five-day game is tactically one of the most exciting things 
you know, it's it's all about what's going to happen the next day and whether they'll oh declare and, and and can this guy like there's guys you can make. I have no clue. <laughs> no, what the, this game is about. It, it, that it would take five fucking days. Like, let's say you score a hundred runs, right? You get a century, right? It's uh, called a century. Yeah, and then you get you get runs. You get like Don Bradman, I think, got three hundred and fifty-two, and a guy called uh, Mark Taylor Why also got three hundred and fifty-two. Why does the score have to be so high? That took him. That took him three days to do that. Right, Why just does the score out. have to be so high? Because you keep batting until you get out. So fucking catch the ball. So why no, no, can't people get him out? Just, what does it take to get somebody out? All right, this is Roll the, the, the way to get out. You have to catch you, it with you, your behind asshole. You, behind <laughs> you, you have three sticks. Three yeah, sticks. Yeah, I've seen that. Right, they call the stumps, and then on top of it, they have these things called the the bales, What's which that? are little tiny sticks that rest on top of the sticks. Yeah. Right, and your idea is to knock these things off. Right, so there's several ways you can do it. You can bowl a ball directly into it, and that'll knock it off. If someone puts their leg directly in front of it, and the ball's coming directly at it, and it's it's below the knee roll, so it wouldn't bounce over, the umpire can go, that would have hit the stumps. So that's out as well. You can catch the ball. You can get caught behind if you just chip it. The guy behind can catch it. You can also you, you have a crease that you have to stand in, right? <laughs> and if you go out of that crease, the guy behind, the wicketkeeper, can catch it and then smash your bales off, right? That doesn't happen very often. That's right? And then you can get run out where you have to run back and forth for each one of your runs. <laughs> That's so dumb. And then you also got, this is how you score your runs. <laughs> baseball for a retarded You've got You can get six runs if you hit it over the fence. What fence? For the, the, the fence where the people are sitting. Is what there an out of bounds? It's like a home run. The boundary. Is there an out of bounds? That's the fence, is yeah. There, is yeah. there a foul pole? No, no foul pole. It's round. What do you mean they it's play round. an oval, so everything is fair, no matter where. This is at. a twenty-minute clip, okay? So you know how in depth it goes. This is so good. So Jim Jeffries, being Jim Jeffries as he is, uh, he just fires away, and these Americans just—they they can't grasp the concept that a match has to be so long, which I always find so rich because baseball is probably one of the most boring sports there is. It really is just so so boring. But they do make a point, like why why are the scores so high? I never thought of that. <laughs> Like, why do you have to score so many, so many runs? But the, <laughs> such a great line in there. It's like, why can't they get the guy out? You have to catch the ball with your asshole. Uh, all these clips, of course, I'll put on the bounce of CO.za. You can watch them in their entirety. So just a couple of, um, quick look at the, the headlines. Tiger Woods, uh, has made another announcement. Now, I believe all of these is like, it's like a flashback to other previous announcements. So back operation number four went pretty well. Allegedly. And, uh, much like the other announcements, he said he's not going to rush back into anything. So, uh, look, like anyone else, I would love to see Tiger back and play and obviously be competitive. If he's not going to be competitive, then it's just like, uh, you know, you're just being sort of paraded around and paraded around like, like what you used to be like. Well, it's just, it's just too much of a push for me. It really is. So that's really unfortunate. But he says the nerve damage has been repla- been repaired and was a very quick and easy kind of, um, oh, nothing's quick and easy when you've got back problems, but it was a much easier and quicker sort of process than the previous times. So you probably be out slot for the rest of the year. I don't think that's going to change whatsoever. But uh, always a lot of hype around this guy. Always a lot of hype. If his body could just play a ball now, maybe we can see some of the hype. Just to remind you that the US Open, 
where Tiger will not be playing will be at Aaron Hills. So that's 12th of June. I am still trying to line up a big golf interview for you just to get you into that because this course, for instance, is the first time they've had a U.S. Open here. It looks incredible. And uh, all credit to the USGA because they carry on with making these really interesting courses to take, take their big tournament to. And, um, you know, U.S. Open is just going to be so difficult as always. And this golf course is just... It looks kind of linksy inland, um, big rough, but just beautiful. Really, really, really stunning. You know, the news from the sports. Um, so yeah, actually, let's, let's get to it then. Last night, the pros got absolutely hammered. And again, it just showed a couple of things that I was hoping this team could have addressed by now. And of course, that is the middle order. Look, the bowlers went for a few runs, no doubt about that. But there were some encouraging signs of Chris Morris and Kakisa Rabada about actually bowling nice and full and straight towards the death. So it was a pretty good batting pitch yesterday. So when England posted 339, I wasn't completely surprised. Obviously, the English managed to negate Iran Tahir's threat. So whenever he goes wicketless, the rest of the attack does struggle somewhat. But when you're as good as Imrenta here, you don't have two games like that in a row. It's as simple as that. It's not going to happen. So, and Morgan, Ian, yeah, just so many vowels. I don't know where to go with that. Ian Morgan, he had a really great knock yesterday getting a well-deserved century. And he was able to be supported throughout. The project did manage to get some, some well-timed wickets, but then Moen uh, Ali, geez, he was good at the end. So 340. The Proteus definitely had the firepower to do it, and with Fuff and AB at the crease, they were looking strong. Uh, sorry, Fuff and Umlo at the crease, they were looking so strong, but then same old, same old, just soft dismissals. Whitson the Cock was a soft dismissal straight away. Um, Umlo's dismissal was, yeah, okay, fair enough. You got a decent LBW shot. Fuff got beaten by a straight one as well, and then JP Dumini. Yeah, people always tweet like, you know, JP Dumini high, low, or 20. You know, if he gets the 20, it's an achievement for this guy. And it just really shouldn't be a guy in the senior position where he is putting this team under so much pressure. And it, like, it works out if your tail wags and David Miller scores a hundred. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case yesterday. Miller also out to a very, very soft dismissal, which left everything onto Abby DeVillis, who had to start smacking the ball around because he's just running out of partners. He held out in the deep. He couldn't even get to 50. And I think it was a 70 something run loss, which is not the way this protest team was looking to go into this because they are the number one ranked team in the ICC rankings right now for ODI cricket. And they would say legitimate favorites to go into this champions trophy, but a worrying start. And it was worrying not because they just lost the game, but because of how they lost it. It was just too loose with the batting. It's just too crumbly. And other teams know, like you, you get Umbler out, you get a cock out and, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why it sounds weird. You get the cock out and, you know, there's a domino effect happening in that batting lineup when, when a guy like Dumini still warrants a place in that team. And a lot of pressure on Miller. I know he scored hundreds. I know he has shown the fact that he is there on merit and he should be there. But these guys have got to kick on now. They've really got to kick on. And this is, it's now and never on this whole winning ICC silverware. It really is. People are going to start getting very impatient. And it's not ideal to go into a must win tournament like this with the track record the Proteas have and their, Sort of susceptible nature, but this is it. So their first match will take place June 3rd. Okay. So they've got two more ODIs versus England now in this whole English summer series, which is great prep for this, by the way. I mean, you could not get better prep than playing the host in the host conditions, but the first match for the Proteas will be there in group B. They'll take on Sri Lanka and that will be at the Kensington Oval in London. 
So that's Saturday the 3rd. Um, South African time, you'll be able to get that at 11.30. A lot of these games will be sort of more day games because they're not really a day-night sort of nation. Uh, from there, South Africa carrying on in Group B. They'll take on Pakistan. This will be a day-night match, and it will be at Edgbaston in Birmingham. That'll be Wednesday, June the 7th. From there, South Africa's next opponents are going to be India back at the Oval. And they'll be in London. So they'll be Sunday, June 11th. They'll be a daytime match. So 11.30 start. Day games, 11.30 start. Night games, 2.30 start. So they've got the might of the subcontinent straight up. Now, whether the pitchers are going to suit the subcontinent teams or, you know, yesterday we didn't see the spinners get a whole bunch of help. Rashid was better than, than Tahir, but he also went for some runs. So they're playing Sri Lanka, Pakistan, India. Those are your first three matches up front, okay? Very, very interesting to see how those are going to go. Of course, in the other group, you've got your New Zealand, Australia, England, um, uh, Bangladesh. Those are your other teams involved there. West Indies, they're also in the mix there. So, uh, West Indies, aren't, no, sorry, West Indies aren't playing. They, uh, they didn't make it. They're not good enough anymore. <laughs> That's a bit sad. So, three matches. You've obviously got to do very well there to get into the playoff stages. And you've got to think, South Africa should have the wood over these teams. They just have to have to. And this really is a key time for them to really, really perform. So, two matches to kind of get the, get the bearings back. And then that all kicks off pretty soon. Um, other stuff. The French Open starts this Sunday, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And as much as, obviously, all the hype generally goes around the men's game, and the big hits is there. I know Djokovic is probably going to look to return to form with this one because he's had a horrid run in the majors. But he now has Andre Agassi as coach. Nadal is looking as strong as ever. Andy Murray, not so much. He's had some really wishy-washy performances going into this. But you know, you know, Murray's a worker. He'll always be there, thereabouts. He's a decent player. You got some great young talent coming through. And then, of course, there's always guys like Vavrinka. Uh, you've got Nishikori, always pretty handy. There'll be no Roger Federer at the French Open, though. He has decided to sort of you know, manage himself and know that he probably isn't going to win the French Open ever again. He's won it once as part of his whole thing. He's winning all the Grand Slams. But he'll rather just save himself, be really fresh and ready to go on, on the grass. The grass season, of course, is straight after this on the clay, which is a good call. But the women's draw, that is where people are kind of dubbing it as the draw with no favorite right now. Of course, Serena Williams is pregnant, so she'll not be playing. But then world's number one at the moment, Angelique Kerber. Her form is worse than Andy Murray's right now. She's just being knocked out left, right, and center. It is not going well. Maria Sharapova, she was not given the wild card as she was hoping for, so she's not going to be there. And, of course, Lena is also retired. So if you were to look at it, five of the top, of the last six winners at Roland Garros are not playing, with the exception being Gabi Muguruza. Now, she's had a pretty woeful time since since raising the title there as well. Uh, you'd be foolish to think that she's going to defend the title, so there's no smart money there. Uh, Simona Halep, she's obviously a big contender there, but she's just rolled her ankle. There's a 50-50 chance of her even playing. And as for the rest, well, there's not a lot of form in that top 10. It really isn't. So whoever's being dubbed as the favorite, they're quickly playing it down, saying, look, there's not a chance I'm the favorite. I'm flattered, but there's not a chance. And also... How is the women's game really going to kind of survive or carry on? Because Serena's been such a massive part of it. Not just because she's been dominating it, but because she's such a massive figure for the sport and she attracts so much attention to the women's game. You know, she has been, I mean, apart from being the greatest player, she's just been such an amazing force for the game. So she's not going to be there. It's kind of like how golf was when Tiger went away. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes through. But it could actually open the door for 36-year-old uh, Venus Williams, who, 
as she showed in the Australian Open, making it to the final. There's still some game there. So I think it's going to be very, very exciting. That all starts from this Sunday. So as of next week proper, you'll see the French Open in all its much, much, much glory. And the weather's going to be good this time. Last time it was raining and it was a bit shitty. Whereas this is going to be really, really good. In boxing, boxing's obviously come back to the fore ever since that Joshua guy smacked uh, Klitschko. And people think boxing's really cool again. There's all that umming and ahhing still going along with Floyd Mayweather and uh, Conor McGregor. Is that fight going to happen? Those two, ugh, yeah, let's get past that. But there was something that happened that made the news uh, earlier this week. Uh, it was a sucker punch of all sucker punch. Now, there's a guy called Andre Durrell. Now, he won this fight because his opponent hit him after the bell. But now, in Durrell's corner is a rather protective, overprotective uncle. So... This is a great clip. Obviously, you need the visuals, but I'm just going to let this guy talk you through it because he describes it just so, so well. Oh, yeah, sorry, Jim Jeffries is still talking cricket. They're, they're all tall. It's a catching and kicking game. Yeah, they just <laughs> catch and kick. Like I said, that clip is 20 minutes long, so I'll post it up on the site for you to listen to. But yeah, listen to this uh, Andre Durrell uh, situation, which is it's unfortunate, but wow, it's entertaining. This is a Saturday night's fight between Andre Durrell and Jose Udagazi. Now, Darrell won by disqualification, but the DQ came after U- Ukadazi threw a punch after the bell that dropped Darrell a wiggle. Darrell's cornerman and his uncle, Leon Lawson, then sucker punched Jose. So just think of that. When the fight finishes, Darrell's uncle then comes into the ring, okay? And while this other guy is standing there, he absolutely winds him with a left cross to the chin and then tries to follow it up with a few more punches, but his... his uh, the other guy's corner comes into his defense. Local police are still currently looking for Lawson. So there's the late, and you can see it's not that egregious. I get it, Darrell, it did come after the bell. His uncle wants to protect Woo! his nephew. You can't attack a fighter, any fighter, in the. This is like shades of Andrew Gawada and Mike Tyson way back when. I mean. You can't. Like he really, really clocks him on the chin. It's quite something. They got a great slow mo. So you got that to look forward to. And then, um, that's pretty much it for the actual sports stuff. There's another great parody sort of mockumentary that's come out. It's called The Tour de Pharmacy. Uh, again, the video will be on, be on the site. There's no point playing the audio for you here. But you know that there was that really great tennis mockumentary about the, um, I forgot what it's called now, but that's the guy from Saturday Night Live fame who now Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, he made that, that great song, Dick in a Box, that great parody dude, Adam, someone or other. So he's created this, this, this mockumentary called Tour de Pharmacy. It's got amazing, amazing sporting and celebrity cameos. So it's set back in this fictitious time of the eighties, back when doping was really, really hard and, uh, all, the, all the cyclists were on drugs. So it's really, really funny. But from a cycling perspective, it's really kind of cringe and unfortunate. Obviously, cycling is trying so hard to clean up the image there. And this mockumentary is just one giant piss take. It really is. Every single joke you can think of around the whole doping stuff gets thrown in there. But the most interesting part about this is that Lance Armstrong makes a cameo. (laughs) He makes a cameo where he's meant to be blacked out and he's meant to be giving sort of testimony around what went down. And he's giving this this mockumentary all information from behind the scenes. But he's he's never blacked out. His voice is badly sort of altered, so you you know it's him the whole time. So that's called tour de pharmacy. But what I do want to wrap up with um, 
you'll have seen my Instagram this week on the bounce that I've been getting the drone into the into the sky. So for quite some time now, I've been wanting to kind of really up the up the ante on the the visual content. So. I really wanted to get a drone so I could do some really great things in the golf course. Uh, I don't really have much need to do anything too technical with it. I just want to be able to go onto a golf course and really bring like a really engaging experience to life. So I went down and got the DJI Mavic Pro, which is just an amazing piece of machinery. It's so, so cool and so compact and so easy to fly. But then this week, DJI had kind of got all the attention back on them because whenever they release a product, they're kind of like, they're becoming like a new Apple actually, or DJI. So, you know, I absolutely love Casey Neistat's uh, videos. The guy is such an absolute genius when it comes to movie making. And he is a huge, huge drone fanatic. Although currently, I think he's under, he's under investigation because of all these videos showing him flying a drone around New York. And that is hugely illegal. <laughs> so he's in some trouble. But the new DJI Spark came out this week. That's the DJI Spark. Look how tiny it is. Look how tiny it is. Also, check out my now the DJI Spark is literally the size of like your phone. So imagine your phone with propellers and away it goes. It's got a great camera. It's really, really, um, really, really capable. And that came out this week. So it's, my life is basically going to change because of drones. What I want to do with this is just so, so exciting. And I will be putting up videos every single week from here on in. So yes, so last week, sorry. I put up my first video on YouTube. Now if you go onto YouTube, you'll find the profile. It's just the bounce. It's just my Twitter account, which is different, which is called Follow the Bounce. Otherwise, always just look for the bounce on social media. And there I put together a sort of flashback of the 2011 Gary Player uh, Invitational. This week is going to be all about the drone. So my first impressions of it, I'm going to be going to uh, the golf course today to make some do some filming with it. And it's been so cool that like I've been talking about the drone. People have been reaching out online. They've been telling me about their experiences. They've been telling me about what they've got. And it's just such a cool thing that people are getting so excited about. So now with DJI making even smaller drones, it's so interesting to see how content's going to go because you can get the most amazing shots now without having to have the most incredibly expensive equipment. And this is what I've always loved about what we do online is that as a sports fan or as just general audience, right? You were always given certain things and you knew what they were and where you could get them. And it gave, I suppose it gave you enough. But now when you think like from podcasts to YouTube channels to um, Instagram and how visual and engaging that's become, social media has changed all of that. And it's just so cool to live in an era where technology is taking us further and further. And it'd be great to hear your thoughts on like what you think would be great drone footage. Uh, what do you think great visual content is going forward? I'm always open to your suggestions. So Ben at the bounce of CO.za. I'm going to be filming a whole bunch more. And if it means giving you uh, more than what you want, then so be it. I'm really excited about that. I did get a message here saying, um, were you pissed off to have bought the DJI Maverick uh, Mavic Pro now that they've just released the Spark? Well, not really because the Spark is a lot smaller, uh, which is great for day-to-day kind of stuff. But I really would just want to focus mostly on golf. So if that little thing gets in the air and it's a bit windy. I mean, look, the DJI Mavic's obviously not exactly the biggest thing but it will be a lot more capable in the wind for what I want to use. So I'm not really that pissed off. All I want to do is have all the drones, actually. They're that cool. I met a guy this week who's got the the big the big drone, the one that's like costs about 100,000 Rand, and you do like professional filming stuff on. Ah, wow. I just have so much technology envy. But anyway, that is it pretty much for the show this week. Next week, we'll be back with a guest. We've got some great talking points we're going to get to. This international rugby window is going to be incredible. Of course, it is the big Lions versus All Blacks. We've got that to look forward to.
SA versus France. I still believe, and I know maybe it's just because I'm a nostalgic, optimistic Bok fan, but I still believe the Bok should blow the French away. This French team has kind of gone backwards. Maybe not at the rate recently. I thought the SA team has got, but there are some great players in the squad. And hopefully, giving Alice Garcia the benefit of the doubt, which I know is a massive stretch and I probably shouldn't do it, but he's had more time with these guys now. He's got more time to know what he wants from his structures. Hopefully, that can translate into something really, really good. Of course, also the cricket lookout for, so get onto that. Uh, football this weekend, FA Cup final on Saturday. That's between Arsenal and Chelsea. Whether Chelsea can still have the same intensity for the rest of the season after already winning the Premier League, and that must have been a huge relief. Arsenal, well, they'll take anything right now. They don't have a spot in the Champions League next year. They will be going to the Europa League. So winning the FA Cup will be maybe one thing they can salvage from this year. So that's going to be a very interesting final. Got to think Chelsea on paper, but you got to think Arsenal, they've got the heritage. They do well in FA Cups. They've got a lot more to play for here right now after a pretty terrible season. So that'll be the big highlight. And of course, rugby, you've got your super rugby. So go on to the bounce at CFL If you are playing in the bounce super brew pool, then good luck to you on that. We have fewer rounds than you think left to try and make a march up at leaderboard and get the really cool prizes. So all is on the bounce at CFL today. Go there, center yourself with a, with a world of sports, and uh, keep listening to podcasts. I really appreciate it. Again, any guest suggestions you've got, Ben, at the Bounce of Seattle today. I'm going to play out with some Arrested Development, and I'm going to go fly my drone, because that's how excited I am as a person nowadays. I literally want to just finish the show here every morning, and I want to go fly drones. I, that, that's me. That's me. <laughs> Catch you next week. Cliffcentral.com.